Detroit Sip is where you need to enjoy coffee. Meet with your neighborhood association and write your next journal entry. Detroit Sip is the community business located at 7420 West McNichols, Detroit, Michigan, 48221. Open Thursday through Sunday for you to experience the real Detroit over a great mocha. Visit Detroit Sip today. All right, we are back in the Detroit is Different podcast studios. Uh, Once again, a summer day. We rolling in full effect. My man Joe Black has been holding it down. This is like a double down of the podcast. That was Joe Black's uh, phone. God knows what 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 ringtone that is, Joe Black. It sounds like you got like uh, Captain America or something. <laughs> <laughs> My homie Sam is in full effect. Hey. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Sam, yes. how you feeling? Feeling great, man. Great to be here. Yes, yes. It's good to have you, Sam. Um one of the coolest places in and around Metro Detroit may kill. Uh, I, I guess it's like uh, not Mexican fiesta because I've never understood that. It's like Mexican fiesta. Oh, you trying to say it in Spanish? Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, why why, why so is it, uh, it? It's completely, completely different. What is gringos, it? right? So what is it? What it is, is it? for sure Mexican fiesta. Okay. You know, so. Uh, this is like a throwback from the 60s, right? Where Mexican food was really um, kind of uh, new on the scene, I guess, t- to most people. Really uh-huh. exotic, you know, and particularly in the Ford Road and Telegraph area. You know, that yeah. was pretty much white bread over there, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, 1962 is when my grandfather uh, set up shop there. You know, okay. so Mexican fiesta is for sure the way you pronounce it because because it is it, it is, is for, for an American. Yes, yes. So you know, American I, Mexican. He, uh, my grandfather always tells the story that I guess it was a pizza shop there before. Um, uh-huh. So he, he bought the pizza shop, and one of the neighbors stopped by to see like what was going on. Uh, you know, with these Mexicans hanging out. Hilarious. <laughs> it it Nights, right? Uh, they said there's no Mexican people here to buy your tacos or your Mexican food or whatever. And he said, I'm not selling to Mexicans. I'm selling to you. I'm selling to white people. Hilarious. So, you know, that was, uh, that, that was, Hilarious. that was his goal, man. He was trying to, trying to break some barriers there. Uh, in the fifties, in the sixties, 1962. 50s, yeah. 60s, 1962. 1962. Yeah. Yes. All right. So I guess that leads us right to the story. I always say, you know, who, who came here first, but why did your granddad come to the, Detroit area in the first place. You know what, man? That so he was actually born here in Metro Detroit, I believe, when he was young. Uh, they lived out in Romeo. So my great grandfather came from, uh, uh, you know, humble, humble, humble background. Uh, you know, very working class family, and he had a job on the railroads in like the twenties and thirties, building mm. railroads. So mm. he came up from Mexico and worked all the way up to. Uh, so it's like as the railroad kept expanding, yes. he just kept he heading, kept heading air, further the, north, the and further, yep, further north. So mm. uh, I guess he liked Romeo, man. Mm. <laughs> I'm not sure how he decided on Romeo. So my grandfather was born uh, here in Detroit, mm-hmm. uh, and then. Uh, okay, his, your great grandmother. Yeah. So was was your great grandmother traveling with your great grandfather? I believe they uh, they came up together. So it's it's kind of convoluted. So my great grandmother is from uh, a Mexican background, uh, 
but back from when the state of Colorado was Spanish territory or Mexican territory. Mm-hmm. So she was actually from Colorado, but Mexican American, you know, Spanish speaking. Yeah, because I was and gonna say I, I don't like. I don't know how. I don't know how my great grandfather and my great grandmother met. Met, um, mm-hmm. but my great grandmother uh, had roots in our hometown in Mexico mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. She ended up inheriting a small piece of property, and mm-hmm. so uh, when this happened, they moved back to Mexico. So my grandfather mm-hmm. was born here, uh, but he grew up in Mexico mm-hmm. um, because of this piece of property, you know. And they were they were very poor. How uh, how large was the property? Uh, you know, like a, like a, a a regular city light lot uh, mm-hmm. type thing. Uh, a small town called Sabina Hidalgo in the state of Nuevo León. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where my dad's family's from. That's where I was born also, uh, consequently. So my great-grandmother had inherited this piece of property uh, enough to build a small house on. Okay, so a woman inheriting property Yeah. Uh, at the time with business and all of that stuff, but we're dealing with with different cultures, not necessarily like American cultures, but what? how, how commonplace was it just for uh, women to be for the property owners? To be the property. Like you know that? what, man? I would say in the 30s, 40s in Mexico, mm-hmm. probably not that common. You know, I I, mm. I can't I can't say for sure. I don't think there was any law against it. Obviously, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, happened. it happened. You know, it happened. But it, it's still it's, just, it's part of our story. I would say yeah. probably uh, not. I would say probably not incredibly unique. I'm sure you know property's mm-hmm. been passed down uh, from you know generation to generation through the the woman. Um, mm-hmm. My grandmother inherited a ranch that way. Hmm. You know, so my father's mother came from a more uh affluent family. affluent family you know mm-hmm. for a small town though so that meant that yeah. they owned they own land and it's cattle ranching country so th- uh my great-grandfather on uh on that side of the family actually owned a great deal of land hmm. um, that had been passed down from generation to generation still in our family so my grandmother inherited a portion uh of his uh ranch they used to spend the summers out there it used to take them 24 hours in a cart uh, a, a cart that a wooden cart uh, driven by an animal like a, a donkey or an ox uh-huh. uh, or a horse uh, to get up there from the village because it's like up in the mountains way up in the mountains hmm. um, so you know it happened obviously so th- I have two instances you know on either side of of the family you know my grandmother and my grandfather were women inherited property hmm. interesting yeah yeah interesting which I never thought until you brought that up. <laughs> you know, I'm always like, my questions always are like, kind of comparing present day yeah, yeah. to then. Yeah. And was this unique? Was yeah. this different? Because I think that that all adds to temperature the the person that I'm sitting in front of. Yeah, because yeah. It, it builds the value and the ethic systems of, Absolutely. of so, a family. You, you know? know, so fast forward to the 50s. Um, my grandfather had graduated... Uh, from high school I believe he made it through high school I don't even mm-hmm. know for sure uh, but he turned 18 anyways and yeah. so he was old enough to come to the states on his own yeah. uh, came to work in the auto industry hmm. ended up enrolling in the army and went to uh, fight in Korea hmm. uh, so he uh, never made it to Asia though he was stationed in Germany apparently kind of a cushy situation for him didn't mm-hmm. really see much action 
but he learned to be a cook Ain't that in so. the army. Um, so that was like that became his thing, you know. So he he learns how to cook in Germany. Uh, the war is over. So before this, he really didn't know how uh, to cook. I would say he was around food. He actually worked at a butcher shop from very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but that's a whole different type of. I mean, yes, it's kind of related. Mm-hmm. You know, it's culinary. Uh, plus, you know, uh, there was some cooking. There was some cooking going oh, on. Okay. I would imagine, like a traditional Mexican butcher shop, mm-hmm. maybe you can buy like carnitas or chicharron. You know, they're preparing. Uh, what's they're, that? Uh, uh, the torta. I'm always getting that from. Uh, damn, what is that place? Honeybee. Oh yeah, La Colmena. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, they got a connection to our hometown also. Okay, yeah. that didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. So that same, a uh, lot of people that came in that era, 40s and 50s, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people are from our, our area in Mexico. Hmm. So, you know, anyways, grandfather uh, learned to cook in, mm-hmm. in the Korean War, um, came home, worked at the Fisher Body uh, Fleetwood plant, mm-hmm. and uh, cooked on weekends at... Uh, Mexican Village. Hmm. And, and I still, I, I've, I talked to, um, I had a long talk with, uh, with the lady that's like in the, in the running of everything. She was like, we could do it. We could do it. I really want to do something special with Mexican Village. Oh, that would be awesome, man. Mexican They're like Village. the OG of, of Mexican restaurants yeah, in Detroit. Yeah, I learned man. so that's much like about the original it. Detroit <laughs> Mexican. Because, you know, there's kind of like, yeah, yeah, there is for sure like a Detroit Mexican, yeah. uh, you know, food. Yeah, you know, like the Soshimokos, Armando's. Uh, I would say Mexican fiestas, right? Yeah, Mexican, it's this, yeah and yeah, they're yeah. very similar menus. You're going to find a botana. You're going to find a Mexican sandwich. You mm. go anywhere else in the world. You don't get those dishes. Those mm-hmm. are Detroit. Those are Detroit dishes. Mm. You know that is only only people here know know what those things are. Yeah, she told me like she was like, "What you think is the extension? This is the original restaurant." Like we had like the longest talk one day. <laughs> I was like, "We're gonna do this one day. That would We're be awesome. That would be awesome. You know, but I would have to really go there, like take the cameras and all that. Stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, to like just break down the whole story." Because the old man, I don't think he's, I don't think he's traveling much. And no, I don't blame him. No, when I become no. an old man, I ain't yeah. traveling much either. I mean, he's got to be up there, man. I know my grandfather's 88. Mm-hmm. I think he's got to be, I mean, he's got to be older than my, than my granddad. You know? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not traveling when I'm yeah. 88. <laughs> you come <laughs> see me. <laughs> got that right. Yes, you got that right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, worked in uh, automotive. Like, I think lots of people came to Detroit to work automotive. Um, learned mm-hmm. cooking in the army. Uh, when he left the army, he went back to our hometown uh, to get married. Mm. Uh, saw my grandmother. So, well, I guess he was back home for Christmas or something like that. Saw my grandmother somewhere, and uh, I guess he came back to Detroit and went right back down to go get her. But she, <laughs> she, she really wasn't into him. So. <laughs> okay, so how did that how did that work? How well, you know you that was up? it was old school Mexico, you know, so you can't really date, you know, mm-hmm. that not not like our modern yeah. concept of dating. So you know, I, I guess the way the story goes, um, he came he came to uh, my great grandparents' house, uh, asked my great grandfather permission to uh, to take my grandmother out, you know, take mm-hmm. his daughter out, and uh, I think. He, he said no at first because my grandma said that she really she wasn't digging like him. him. Yeah. yeah. 
but he was pretty persistent, and that won her over. So mm. she was impressed with his persistence. Mm. Uh, so then uh, he got permission to take my grandmother out, but he had to take along her little brother. Okay. So they would go, uh, they would go to like the town square, to like the plaza, mm-hmm. and uh, they would have like events where there's live music playing, and they would kind of walk around and talk and get to know each other. Um, and that's what their courtship was all hmm. about, you know. So uh, I don't think they, I don't think that went on for too long. Uh, and, and he was like, hey, how do yep. you feel about moving into uh, one of the coldest cities in America? Yeah. <laughs> she was like, uh, excuse me? Yeah, so, I, you know, I, they got married there shortly thereafter. She was young. She was like 17, I think. And mm-hmm. my grandpa was in his 20s, you know. So, you know, nice young couple. Uh, took the train up here. In fact, my grandmother has told a story, you know, she remembers getting off at, uh, uh, you know, the train station on Michigan, mm. the depot, and, you know, how, like, you know, coming from this, like, sleepy little town in, in the mountains of Mexico, yeah. you know, and, like, stepping off into, like, the hustle of bustle of the big city and, you know, Detroit in the 50s. That would have been, like, maybe 53, I think, hmm. 54, 53, I believe, or 54. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, like, just an impression. She said she will never forget that moment. You know. Did um, within that, um, did she like his cooking? Like, because that was his passion. Was she a fan of, <laughs> it was of she him had, in the kitchen? You know what? She has told me that. Uh, first of all, you n- nobody, nobody ever disputes the quality of my grandfather's cooking. <laughs> you know? Okay, that's never in dispute. But in the home. My grandmother is queen, so you don't, you don't go in her kitchen. She, mm. she, she says he makes too much of a mess. She Hilarious. would rather he does not do anything in the kitchen. He okay. can keep it at the restaurant, please. And, and, and he's, he's followed that rule. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, they are a very... Uh, happy wife, happy life. Yes, yes. So, you know, the roles there in that relationship are very traditional, you know. So my, my grandmother has always... And they're both still alive, thank, thank God. You know, awesome genes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she has always taken care of uh, their home and really, like, managed the finances, kind of managed, mm-hmm. you know, managed their life while my grandfather was the true breadwinner and just has really been a, a crazy workhorse his mm. whole life. So... He brings home the bacon, and she fries it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, with that being said, uh, the the starting of the restaurant. Yeah. Uh, how old were, like, how many, did they have children at the yeah, time? Yeah, so, you know, I'm pretty did, sure. Um, uh, so, I'm, my father's siblings, there's seven of them total, you know, my mm-hmm. dad and his siblings. I think maybe the first, uh, probably the, f- the first, at least the first three were born because they're right after that. So it's my father and then my uncle Joe and uh, my aunt Gloria. Boom, boom, boom. You know, that was, I think, 55, 56 or 57, 58. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe one. So I think he was, they might have been four deep, you mm. know, by the time, uh, by the time the, they, the, they started the first they opened restaurant. They the restaurant. Yep. Yep. Now, in opening the restaurant, what, what was it, uh, what, what was the uh, the support structure like? Were people was everybody else in the family like looking at your granddad like, um, okay. Well, I would say you know the majority of our family we come from a very entrepreneurial family, so okay. everybody has had 
we kind of have grown up with people in business, in business you know, okay. small business, you know, okay. n- not really corporate bakeries, you know, butcher shops, mm-hmm. uh, construction companies, uh, mm-hmm. you know, obviously restaurants, you know, yeah. uh, nightclubs, bars that, you know, kind of the. Yeah, the neighborhood, so, neighborhood so mom and pop shop. That's you know. Yeah, that's that's us. You know, that's, so, that's what we kind of grew up with. So it was looked at, and it was like, okay, this is standard. Sense. The standard. Okay, uh, you know, natural progression in life. I would say that's kind of what you do. Uh, it's you know, of course, he he still had his job uh, at the Fisher Body mm-hmm. uh, for a while. You know, so he was doing both. Hmm. You know, so he would work uh, night shifts. Uh, at the plant mm-hmm. and then day shift at the restaurant or vice wow. versa you know so mm-hmm. really i mean he, he really was, set he, the, he set it. the bar yeah, high he was, he for what it means to hustle what did, you know because yeah. he really came he, he i've heard them tell a story when my when my father who's the oldest uh the day that my dad was born uh grandpa did not apparently have money to pay the hospital bill hmm. uh that day but he happened to stumble upon a wallet laying around like in an alley or in the you know Mm -hmm. a walkway of some sort and that had sufficient cash to pay for the you know labor and delivery costs Mm -hmm. Um, so you know they it was tough tough times in the beginning there for them yeah Uh, so he they have you know both my grandparents have been and and our parents also just incredible examples of uh, perseverance, you know, hard work, dedication, uh, you know, kind of setting goals and really striving to 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 uh, attain them. Kind of, cool. you know, supporting your, su- upholding your end of the bargain, supporting you know your family, coming through on your responsibilities. Kind of at like whatever cost, almost, you know, you're gonna get it done. You're gonna get it done. So with that, how how often back and forth to Mexico, at the time. I think uh, back then, not, not because not I know all. transportation was not yeah you know, what yeah it was and, and, today and and you know and and, and and the cost I think yeah. so you know my grandmother still so now you know fast forward you know some years the restaurant you know thank God was very successful for them mm-hmm. so uh, you know those sacrifices really paid off but I I think initially you know my grandmother came here it really did not speak any English at mm-hmm. all and right away started having kids so I I think. She was pretty isolated, you know, for a time. Uh, hmm. And I'd, I know back then a lot of people were coming from back home to Detroit. So, you know, she talks about having like a kind of a lot of her same friends that are down there were up here for a time or if not, you know, settled up here. So mm-hmm. she had people around her, but they weren't able to go down and visit family, you know, Often. for uh, not at all, you know, mm-hmm. for years at a time. Um, and I think when the kids started to get a little older, they were they would do summers down there. She would okay. stay, and my grandfather would stay up here and work. Okay. And she would go down there with the kids. Um, it's always been very. Our hometown of Mexico has always been so dear to her heart. You know, mm-hmm. I would say not that it's not important to any, the rest of us, but that for her is really home. You know. Yeah. That that for her is really home. So, uh, uh, she made a big sacrifice. You know, I think definitely in her eyes. Uh, yeah, and being able to set up the restaurant and that was one of the things she had to had to kind of sacrifice for a while. And and as this has gone on, one of the most one of the most known and uh I would say uh strongest brands in Mexican food in the Metro Detroit area is 
your your family's restaurant. Yeah, Mexican yeah. Fiesta. I I've uh, I was truck driving for Dairy Fresh. Um, you would know how much uh, how how good a Mexican <laughs> restaurant was, depending how upon how many. Are uh, they doing? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. How many? How it's, it's the monster <laughs> the monster cheese that we have to the monster cheese would come in these uh, these forty pound block blocks and the rice would come in 80 pound bags mm-hmm. so every time i see social mocos or mexican fiesta or uh mexican village or armando tons a my, week literally my, tons tons a week yeah tons on, a week. on my order call i'd be looking like damn yeah <laughs> i hope that this is early that's a backbreaker <laughs> yeah because i'm gonna probably have to deliver nine 80 pound bags of uh of rice and, and yes. learn how to stack this up on this uh, <laughs> on the dolly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Without tearing the bag. I know it, man. I know. You know, it. so you know, um, that was just always like something that I look at, and I'd be like, "Monster cheese, damn." So I'm like, they gotta be selling a hell of a lot of. <laughs> it's a lot, a lot of, of mustard Mexican cheese food. going. Yeah, it's a lot of mustard cheese going out. But man, that's for always sure. love Mexican fiesta because more so than any other place. The uh, the people there would always give give food to the drivers. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That uh, was a, any, that's any a that's a that's a big thing. That's actually a real big thing uh, that came straight from my grandpa. We've and we've always just carried on that tradition. Uh, just the hospitality, you know, particularly mm-hmm. with people like drivers, salespeople, because yeah. it, it's all about the relationship. You know, mm-hmm. you treat them well, and it's not like you know, it's not necessarily what's in it for us but when you establish a personal relationship with the people you're dealing with on a regular basis when you're in a pinch you know who to call yeah i I, it definitely uh i definitely began patronizing mexican fiesta more and more after that like my whole time uh going to henry ford community college Mm. um you know because mexican food as we know it's not as expensive Right, that right. was the place I would go if right. I went on dates or something like that. <laughs> Mexican Fiesta, I patronized and supported because love that brother because of like I say, you, you don't know how a couple burritos can go far yeah. in the life of yeah. a young driver. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love, I, I love I love hearing those stories, truck. man. I love yeah. hearing those stories, especially like days like today. Oof, back truck driving, boy. A day like today. You know, well, not really today, but tomorrow, like ninety degree day yes, in the summertime, yes. and you got. All those orders still, you know, mm-hmm. those air ride seats bouncing up and down. Whew. It'd be like, oh, this is this shit is crazy. Yeah. Strong arms. Though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You Good get your shit. workout in. That's right. <laughs> so. Um, so with that, as the brand is expanded and, and bringing in the fold, uh, uncles, uh, aunts, your dad. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. What um, what was your dad's take on the restaurant? So and, you know, uh, working with. Him? So here's the thing. Um, my father was kind of a black sheep of the family. Hilarious. Okay. Why would you say that? Uh, everybody else grew up here in Detroit, uh-huh. and then uh, then Garden City. So it was Detroit. Then they moved out to the burbs to Garden City. Uh, but my dad, uh, I think in middle school was sent back to after he got in trouble <laughs> okay he got in trouble so they sent him to live with my with his grandparents my grandmother's grandparents so uh he ended up with like a totally different a different background background than his siblings huh you know so right uh, shortly thereafter they didn't like abandon him or anything shortly thereafter my grandparents actually built 
uh, kind of like their dream home in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So then they became, uh, you know, almost really like they, they became, a dual, uh, you know, a dual lifestyle, yeah, a dual, yeah. a dual country lifestyle. Um, but he was the first one to go down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, it was really his brother who was right after him, uh, Joe, uh, who kind of took the reins as as the uh, like the next the in line, you mm-hmm. know, uh, while my father ended up going to uh, all the way through university. Hmm. Uh, studies in Mexico ended up going to very, uh, you know, one of the most prestigious universities in Latin America. So you know, it it, it, pay, it paid off for so, him. So your your dad basically very lived very different in Mexico. Yes, for yep. for a lot of his uh, a lot of like from his you know middle would, school on up. Yes, so. yep. Uh, I think from you know most of the seventies to the mid eighties, hmm. uh, mid sixties even. I don't. I'm trying to think how old he would have been. So. Late, maybe sixty nine or seventy. What uh, What does he talk about? Uh, what was Mexico like at the time for your dad? What What does he say? Like, you know, just during that time. For him, it was, I think, a, a kind of innocent kind mm-hmm. of. He really talks about those times in Mexico with a lot of nostalgia. You know, hmm. so when when you're looking bad back at a a, a very happy time in your life. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of remember everything uh, with a kind of a rosy outlook. Yeah. And that's that's when you hear my father talking about growing up in uh, Sabinas, in our hometown, uh, that's really uh, kind of the tone that's of cool. everything. You know, everything was simpler. You know, uh, the way you deal with one another was a lot with a lot more respect. And, you know, family was so important. And, you know culture respect mm-hmm. you know something was, you hear over and over and over was uh, he coming back and forth to detroit often at the time you know to be honest i'm not even i'm not even very so sure, sure. Okay. yeah i'm not even sure um, i know that you know he 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 lived his life down there while you know his brothers in particular lived a lot of their life here now when that home was built that i had mm-hmm. referenced earlier everybody moved down there Mm. You know, it was like my grandmother wanted to um, kind of create the family structure, structure that, that she grew she up grew with. Up with. And, you and know, values, and, yeah. you know, and she grew up uh, basically her family. My great grandparents had a home and then, you know, her sister, my, my grandmother's sister had a home next to them. And then the brother had a house next to them. And then there was another house next to them. And her family had always had that land like that. And in, in between all the homes, it was all open. Mm-hmm. You know, the yards, was, there was one big courtyard, and then they ran a bakery in the back. Hmm. You know, a big, one of those clay oven bakeries. They still have, my great, my hmm. great aunt still runs the bakery. Wow. You know, so her family was incredibly t- tight-knit, still is. You know, mm-hmm. that side of the family is incredibly tight-knit. So I, I can see with the longing to... You know, to be able to, to recreate, recreate that, that and is, interact yeah. like that on, on, on a daily basis and to be able to kind of mm. present these values as important, yeah. you know, pass that along to her children. So I think she really tried her best to do that. You know, unfortunately, you know, for her, you know, her plans were kind of thwarted because the call of the restaurant yeah, was, was, too, the was, restaurant, t- was yeah. too strong, you know. So yeah. uh, my, my dad uh, stayed in Mexico uh, 
for quite some time. Uh, at, but his brothers uh, only lasted in Mexico for for a short time. So you know, maybe uh-huh. a year or two uh, for the oldest, and then he mm. was right back to the restaurant. Now, <coughs> now as you talk about staying, so they actually relocated and moved there for yeah, a while, the yeah. whole family. Yeah. And so your dad had to have uh, a heck of an advantage being uh, being bilingual. Yes. Yes. Uh, at a time uh, during you know during like just still this relate this unique even to this day this unique relationship between mexico and the united states of america right right but being bilingual in american english Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that has to be interesting yeah you know i will say so we're from the north very close to the border with texas Mm -hmm. uh and the story is not unique for a lot of people in our area. A lot of people of that generation in particular, you know, to, with, to know American. To, English. Yes. To maybe spend some, have spent, hmm. you know, uh, some formative years in the U S and then oh, gone okay. back to Mexico and maybe okay. then gone back for college, you oh. know, in the States or gone back to work, okay. you know, when they were older in the States or maybe dad was working in the States and the family stayed, you know, back, but he was home quite often. That, that was a, that's a, a very common, story. common story particularly with people from our region because we were a drive away from the border, Mm. you know, and I, I, I'm not sure I'm no expert in immigration policies, but I, I believe, you know, there have been eras in our history where maybe it was a little easier to get the work visa. And a lot of those people were, you know, my dad's generation in particular born in the U S. So then they had the, the U S citizenship, you know, like I said, from my, Mm. From my family, my great-grandmother was born in the U.S. Mm. Her people were born in the U.S. My grandfather was born in the U.S. My dad was born in the U.S. So, you know, we mm. we have been very, uh, we've led a, a life that is truly, you know, kind of dual between citizenship beto- between both nations, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're not, I mean, we're not the only ones, but, you know, by any stretch, I would say. So that just naturally leads to uh, the confusion of things today, especially with a president like Donald Trump. And yeah. Like the Dreamer Act and so much information and even kind of connected to the Detroit is Different podcast network with Piper. And I've learned a little bit more about mm-hmm. some of her guests and immigration, mm-hmm. but more so than the, the actual uh, litigious effects and the political effects. What's the uh, what's Mexico like today in reference to looking at america what what's uh like in your in that in your uh so your family's town how do they how do they see america and what's happening today uh you know i think in general uh there's some animosity towards you know the current administration Mm -hmm. uh on the part of most people that i have spoken to okay you know they're not painted in the most favorable of lights no, because uh, yeah. for 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 some pretty specific and kind of glaringly obvious reasons, and that would be the rhetoric around immigration, and specifically, you know, comments that have been made uh, by the president in public about yeah. Mexican immigrants. You know, yeah. and I so yeah, you know, for like, me, uh, I'm, I the, the I, picture I, painted in, by American society is like okay. There are some just good Mexicans that want to work hard, but then it's also like the the Mexican cartel is just killing people. So it's like I mean I I think life is kind of a both and situation though. Mm-hmm. You know I'm not here, so I am not one of those people that is like oh my gosh, I think 
anybody who wants to have access to crossing the border should be able to, no matter what is going on in their life. There are certain people that don't have any plans of doing anything positive Mm -hmm. in the U.S. because they want to come to do things like sell drugs or they're working in, you know, uh, uh, human trafficking. Nefarious, nefarious uh, uh, enterprises, you know. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of people are... I assume just looking for work. Trying to make a better life. And how can you, how can you, you know, fault an individual for trying to do better for your, their family, for themselves. You can't, you know, you can't, you know, you know, that being said, I just, I don't, I don't think it's a simple, it's a a simple simple answer because a country is responsible for maintaining their borders, you know, because that's the, the number one responsibility is going to be to your citizens. You got You got to know who's going in and out, just like you want to know who's going in and out of your house. That being said, there's got to be a way to get the people that should be here, that need to be here, that our economy needs, that our businesses need. And, uh, you know, keep out the people that mean no good, you know, which, which that brings me to just the natural next question of, um, for for some of the people from your family's hometown, mm-hmm. what opportunities are are present there uh, to 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 possibly just do business or sustain a family? Is it one of those things where it's like, nah, you probably really need to get to look, America. man. It's uh, it, it is. I would not for sure. It's not. You need to get to America. That was maybe the, the that was maybe the um, that was the story. Uh, you know. A hundred percent for a long time, I think, for most people. But uh, we're an hour north of Monterey, Mexico, which is a booming, bustling uh, metropolis. And there is a lot of opportunity. They have a very strong economy right now. So a lot of people go there. But I I think still the overwhelming majority of people, you know, in their 20s and 30s are going one of two places. They're going to the U.S. or going to Monterey. Huh. A lot of, I mean, a lot, a lot of the people, uh, you know, in their post-college age, 20s and 30s. But um, are not necessarily are, are, uh, are, saying, let me let me stay here in this town. No. Let me create something of it the, and let me do something. Is it, Do you think that that may just be like a, a, a mentality thing? Like, I don't no, know. Like sometimes, no, I, I know. think it's because for so long. Uh, particularly the uh, availability of work in the U.S., particularly mm-hmm. in Texas, which Laredo, Texas, is about an hour, two hours yeah. away. So you could very easily work there if you wanted, or you get an apartment or a small house there, and you maintain your wife and your kids or whoever you know, whoever is staying at home in in the, in the hometown, and you go back and forth. It's happened so, or the same for Monterey. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, it's an hour. Uh, south of the uh-huh. town, uh, so I think like it has happened in many, in in many uh, post-industrialized nations or post-industrialized societies. Mexico, I, I guess, is still kind of like in between third world and post-industrialized, but uh, the small town really suffers. There's economically, there just is not the support because the populations just aren't there anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think for many people uh, of my generation in particular, it's not really an option uh, for two reasons. The economics make it really difficult 
because there's like a whole uh, segment of society that has gone. Um, mm-hmm. So it's basically little kids and old people a lot mm-hmm. of the, a lot of times. Um, and then for for a good number of years, uh, there really was a kind of this looming threat of cartel violence. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, my in-laws have lived there in Mexico, in our hometown. My wife and I are both from the same town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've never had any problems, but, you know, for a while, I, I, I know a lot of people that were uh, kidnapped, disappeared. Uh, you know, there was lots of kind of violence that happened too. Now, so all of that is real you know okay, all of that okay. is real and i think me, played up like definitely this, played up let me let me ask this question just in a neighborhood that's that's uh labeled with like i guess black american violence yeah i've always uh like it's a it's a culture even to like what you know uh you know like like here's a classic thing it's a culture to it's a culture to gain culture even sure you know? sure yeah in, yeah, in yeah, an yeah. ethic where like um and it, it, and this kind of gets into to Mexican culture as well, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those things where a couple of things um, you you may have uh, family members or people you you know you you live next door to someone who is a part of a gang, so like kind of you're you're in a gang through association. Sure, but then also it's ways to move, especially if you're an older person, where if you're kind of not associating with the like, like I always say, like if you're not associating with uh, the bad element, it, or I don't even want to label it as bad, but if you're not associating with that, yeah, you're you're you're, you're generally going to be safe, right? I I think there's a lot of truth to that, uh-huh. but the, the, this the situation for northern Mexico is is a little different, different than that because they're in the pathway to yeah. the biggest market. Okay, yeah. so really, a lot of the violence is coming from outside. Yeah. It's not come. It's not internal. It's yeah. not in in my hometown. I'm not to say that people everywhere aren't in, in, yeah. involved in in a, a trade that makes makes yeah, a lot sure. of money. Of course, yeah. th- I mean that's attractive to lots of people, you know. Uh-huh. But but the violence actually comes from turf wars, mm-hmm. root wars, you know, different. Uh, factions kind of battling over who is going to have control to this access you know this access to the american market Mm -hmm. okay so that so that is the scary that was was kind of the scary part for a lot of people uh and it's not only violence when a cartel has a stranglehold on certain communities because they're trying to manipulate people in power to allow them to do whatever it is that they're trying to do traffic humans traffic drugs you know they start to you know they start to resort to tactics like uh, intimidation or uh, uh, you know you have to kind of pay people to keep you you know keep you safe or let you operate your business you know and that just becomes very unattractive for the obvious reasons you know, yeah. it's, it's hard enough to run a small business without having to pay somebody off just to be able to do your thing that you've always been doing. That maybe yeah. your father and your grandfather and your great-grandfather have been doing, maybe, you know? Okay. So when when that kind of environment exists, p- 
people who have means to do something else somewhere else generally generally choose, choose to do than that to end up in a market where you're not dealing with it's not a it's not a yeah. fair playing field you know mm-hmm. small business is tough enough without mm-hmm. <laughs> without those kind of external True. E- external so uh, factors and, and that kind of brings me back to um, your 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 hometown your family's hometown period um and then getting up here in the back and forth to detroit for you and your wife being yeah that she's from the same yeah from the same place and everything yep. what um you know and just to, all 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 the negative stereotypes and the scary stories and you know personal stories i could tell um you know there's an element of that that exists but i would say overwhelmingly it's a beautiful peaceful uh mm family oriented welcoming amazing place a safe place so to basically, be basically you know it's kind of what i was thinking so a lot of the violence is more so these two factions that already they kind of already are coming for violence but it's not like necessarily 100%, 100%. it's not like you know it, radical people just no, walking out no no you know no, no, running no, up no. to your grandma shopping the head off and no stuff like no that, no you, you know? know i i think like so, you know, for example, some of the violence we've seen, like, in the Cancun area mm-hmm. recently, you know. Yeah. Uh, I know some people I know had some, you know, uh, travels planned down there. And a couple people at what do you think, Sam? You know, is this going to, are we going to be cool? What's go-? You know, what I said, you know what? If you aren't involved in any of that, you don't owe somebody money, yeah. you know, you didn't, not do somebody a favor. It's kind of like well, you how know, I've always felt you, over here. Yeah. You know, you yeah. weren't where you weren't supposed to be. Yeah. You're going to have a wonderful, lovely yeah. time in Cancun. But if you get the invite to El Chapo's birthday party and you go. You, you get going at your own <laughs> risk, brother. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, hey, hey. You know, so, hey. you know, all that stuff is real. You know, uh-huh. it is. But there is a whole, you know, like I said, it's a both and. Uh-huh. You know, with like a lot of things in life, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. lots of scales of gray. You know, it's not yeah. really black and white. Uh, you know, and I, I think just like anything in life, a lot of it has to do with who you are. What are you doing? You know, who did you, what kind of decisions did you, did make, you make that you, you know, made, because yeah. something's come by, yeah. back to bite you in the ass. And that's Wh- anything. Where, what Airbnb did you choose? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, and, and within that, um, just uh, the, 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 Kind of back into the restaurant culture, um, uh, the food down there just in your hometown. What is it like? Is it similar to up here? Uh, uh, kind of yes and no. I mean, so the ingredients are pretty similar, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the raw ingredients are not. That's one thing that you always notice. Tortillas taste different. Cheese tastes different. Meat tastes different. That's because of the way that we process things here in, in the U.S., versus how things are done in other countries, what we feed our animals, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in our hometown, it's a very kind of like, I, I, I could say, you know, meat and potatoes uh, uh, cuisine, if you will. You know, it's it's cattle ranching country. It's mm. very straightforward. It's very beef-centric. Okay. Um, when you say cattle ranching, yes. and this is, you know, because... Uh, beef is is something that's very unique to um, to to the North America itself. Right, right. So, um, what's the what? I, w- I was having this discussion with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what is what's like the is it like a climate a best climate is it uh, like a, a temperature like because because i've seen cattle it seems like cattle maybe in the cold but it seems like a lot in that texas warm uh you know possibly hay like area like well i'm gonna tell you brother I, I i am by no means an expert i need to get uh yeah. what's his name uh what's his name cat scratch fever what's that dude's name uh yeah, Ted Nugent in here for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he does. Like, he does have cattle. Like, what? Like what I, is so the I, I, I do know that there are. Uh, so my my father actually is uh, by trade uh, an agronomist. Uh, so he has a uh, an agronomy degree from the Tech of Monterey. I don't even know what agronomy is. Uh, kind of like, ca- like, like cattle like ranching so, science. So you know, it, my my this is what's so funny. My great uncle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My great uncle went to school uh, at Tuskegee, Tuskegee Institute, mm. uh, and learned a lot about poultry. Yeah, and worked right up. Um, surprisingly, like I mean, this is how old my great uncle is. He's ninety. I'd be like ninety four now. He 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 worked like uh, under George Washington Carver a little bit. Wow. But uh, but I, so that That's has to probably books, be the, the 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 like the beef version of that. Yeah, like, you, you know, know I like don't know if points, yeah like, I don't know if agronomy you know. is necessarily beef centric, but it's uh, you know kind of like the science of oh, okay. ranching. Uh, okay. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know how much more. I know it was like an engineering degree. Does he know? have uh, like a bunch of cowboy boots? And uh, <laughs> he doesn't really dress the part, but that's exactly how. That's part. exactly how dudes his age from back home dress, man. It is like you know, you think of like quintessential kind of Texan look, and that's northern Mexico. Hilarious. You know, you've seen those Mexicans with the cowboy hats yep. and the boots, and and yep. you know the the ranch jeans and the big ranch belt, jeans. the big the big belt buckle. That's you know yep. that's the look, man. That's a, that's a look. Hilarious. That yeah, is a look. Like chewing on a long stem of hay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's like that's, a marble man. Yeah, 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 yeah man. man. Yeah. So uh, you know that was like that was like the uh, image of uh, like the ideal man, you know, from uh, our hometown. You know, that's like the icon, the classic, oh, okay. the classic male look. That's okay. it right there. So. Um, it, within your dad and schooling, uh, what led your dad to come back to Detroit? Uh, so, you know, I think in the 80s, the economy just started to really tank in Mexico. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, my father had been like recently graduated. I think there was there's five of us. So three of us were born down there. Mm. Two of us were born here in Detroit. Um, and so he, he you know, he had kids. So he was trying to trying to. Uh, bring home some more money i'm assuming so he came in and, and started working with the family okay so came back uh uh back to detroit uh did your uncles give him a hard time yes okay yeah i was gonna say that. hell like, yeah ah, you know, college guy doesn't know how to make he's not making tacos, tacos, man. What, is, what, is, what are you doing i think a hundred percent that's probably still going on right now <laughs> That, that is like a get out of here. Let me show you how to a, make a case that, that is going to be a lifelong uh, uh, rivalry there, you know, because dad is the college boy, you know. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, he actually, so he came up here, uh, worked in the Dearborn Heights store, you know, our original location, uh-huh. and then in '89 opened up the location in Canton. Uh, after a while, uh, ended up selling his shares to his brother, hmm. and now he does something totally different. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So uh, within you. 
Yes. What? Where was this? Uh, having having the dad that was different than everybody else, but still connected to the restaurant um, world. You know, it's it's. Uh, so I was when dad got out of the restaurant business. I was like 17, I think. So I had, mm-hmm. uh, man, they started us working when we were like 12. Yeah. <laughs> you know? no, was like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I had, uh, I had already been doing that for, uh, you know, for forever. So, you know, back then, you mm-hmm. know, from 12 to 17, that seems like a. Yeah. You were already in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so um, you know, I think there's so many of us cousins that are still uh, in the business, in the same family mm-hmm. business. Uh, you know, one of three locations. It was kind of not that big of a deal, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, obviously, it's it is different. Like being like I'm the only one. I have five, four siblings. There's five of us total. I'm the only one that's still in the family business. Hmm. You know, so that is a little bit uh, interesting. Interesting. You know uh-huh. that how you know how how did I end up back in here? In Dad's mix. not even in, in the yeah, mix no. here. You like, know. What are you doing, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's just kind of the way. It's just kind of the way things have, have played out, you know. And I, I always, uh, there was really never a time where I didn't see myself in the restaurant business. So I have a business degree, uh, and you know, I would say much to my parents' chagrin, there was never a time that I didn't see myself in the restaurant business huh. because they really wanted me to do something else. Uh, because it, it can be a, a, a taxing life. You know, hmm. uh, it's not it's not an, it's not an easy gig by yeah. any stretch, you know. And, and I've been telling you, like, man, I think it'd be great to consult to help so many restaurants is uh, it's so many new restaurants popping up in Detroit. It's like every every uh, day. I, I love it, man. Every I, day I is lo- like some I love new, the energy uh, in the city right now. I it's just some love new restaurant here. popping up. And, yes. And everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we that's something that we actually had discussed. And mm-hmm. uh, I have done. Uh, a little bit of consulting, yeah, yeah. you know, a little bit, uh, did a little bit internationally, done, you know, a few few gigs here uh, mm-hmm. in Metro Detroit. Uh, you know, like we discussed, that's an avenue yeah. I'm, I'm kind of looking yeah, to, to see, you know, I, what's out there. I think your margins, okay, let's see, I'm about to get real business nerd here. <laughs> well, I'm pretty your nerdy, Your profit man. margins. Yeah. Your profit margin is basically like, okay, let's go back to old school candy sales. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> If uh, if you buy M and M's for twenty five cents, and you sell them for fifty, the profit margin is twenty five cents. Right, meaning you're making twenty five cents profit, and that is gross. But you're still not netting that because you still have to put in like, did you pay anything to market it? Did you make a, a paper sign and, and right. pay for a marker? Right. The time you put into actually uh, soliciting a sale for those M&Ms. Mm-hmm. So after you add all of that stuff up, that may take 15 cents per M&M bag you sell. So now you really only are your profit margin is 10 cents. So you need to think through and be very particular when it comes to food more so than any industry on your profit margins. Oh Most industries gosh, you can kind of like eyeball saying like, well, you know, food as long is, as you make 35%, but it can Food industry is dollars and cents, yeah. man. It is dollars and cents. Yeah. And then, you know, your product mix is, and I, I guess I'm getting pretty nerdy right now yeah, too. break but, it down. But, you know, the product mix is key because like you, like you just mentioned, things are are on the market so you know some things are going to be higher at some point lower at another point you still have to be able to make your profit you know because you're doing all this work you got to make some money yep you know you know like uh like they always say mcdonald's makes this money off of the fries and the coke 
not off of the burger itself, right? Right. Because right, beef right. is such a high price ticket item. So that, that mix is that mix. Your your mm-hmm. your uh, your product mix is key right there when you're setting up the yeah. menu. So you need to know like who's you know what item is that cash cow. You know, what's the item on there that you just kind of have to have, but mm-hmm. it's probably a dog. You're not making it, not making a damn yeah. thing. You might be losing, you know, yeah. you might be losing. on. And it. that's the other thing with restaurants. A lot of restaurants have items where they're losing money on. I think every restaurant has an item that they're probably not, at least if they're not losing, they're not making the kind of yeah. money they'd, li- they'd like to for sure. Uh, but 100%, there's many, many, many menus out there that have mm-hmm. lots of particularly key items yep. that you're losing money on, but you have to be able to make that up somewhere else. So that, that, that you know, product mix is key. Yep. And, and eyeballing it the right way is not anything you need to try to do. You need to be very specific Absolutely. and intentional Absolutely. about what is the profit. You need to kind of, uh, when my dad, when uh, my granddad that ran a nightclub in Cleveland and I always, my granddad was, my granddad is one of the man talk about just on so many levels the stories about him are they're almost it's almost like folklore but when i used to do events he's like you should have he was like when you do an event if it's five hours you should have how much money you want to make in 30 minutes 30 minutes after that and then because you've been open for two hours and you know how black people are they come late it should be 15 minute intervals not just and black it, people. and then you should uh <laughs> you should know basically in those 15 interv- minute intervals if you're making money or losing money you should have profit margins like in your head going the whole time through and then I, I was just thinking to myself like my granddad is being ridiculous because he was telling me this when i was really young and it's gotten to that point you know yeah, but there's so much truth in that yeah you it's know? like you you need to you know it's certain things where you just know how many people are in a in a space where it's like how much money are you maximizing it i mean some of this mm-hmm. stuff is on uh as as funny as that can be sometimes over the top the, the telford uh what's that the uh the bar rescue thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like I don't, I don't watch a lot of TV. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I know exactly. What you know, you're so about. it's like you know, in understanding the the science of bars and restaurants, and most people want them, it takes a lot of commitment. You know, it is a, such an attractive uh, field for so many people. You know, because who doesn't love a restaurant or bar owner? Everybody, lo- everybody loves a restaurant. Yeah, and on bar paper, owner. on paper, maybe to your face too. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. but. To really, to really be a successful uh, restaurant tour or uh, a bar or owner, it just takes it's such a broad skill set mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of commitment and hard work. It's it's really not a glamorous job, you know. But if you're good at it, and you have to have the passion, you have to have a passion for this oh, yeah. kind of job. Um, and you know, if the skill set and the passion line up. You know, with timing and and location, you know, it, it could really be a beautiful thing. You know, yeah, it could really be a beautiful thing. Most definitely. All right, so we're definitely gonna have to get you back in effect because it's almost like we talked about your dad and your great grandfather. What about me? No, it's like we don't know nothing about Sam. It's like who is Sam? Who is this guy? Who is Sam? <laughs> Just know he's my homie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he will be back. And I'll be happy to come back, man. Actually, Most this was definitely. a blast. I loved this. Um, first podcast. Uh, so, uh, classic Detroit is different questions, you know, because. Sam's actually one of the, one of the listeners. Nerd. Yes. Uh, to what we do with Detroit is different. 
Um, so the first one, and actually, I'm going to mix this up, too. I'm going to mix this up. Yeah, please do. Please do. I'm going to throw something new at you. I love it. As we love Mexican food yes. itself. Yes. So, all right. For, for people like me that mm-hmm. want to learn how to make a Mexican dish without just uh, going down the aisle at Kroger in the, in the Latin section. Right. What, I, what should we fish. try making and what would be something that's that what's good for the for the average kitchen? What's good for the average kitchen? That's a that's a that is a good one, man. Yeah, what should what should uh, the person try? So, you know it's it's interesting because there's like Mexican food that you eat at home mm-hmm. and there's Mexican food that you would order in a restaurant, right? So you know, a lot of the stuff that we eat at home is going to be kind of like a, a lot of stewed, you know, meats. Guisado, mm-hmm. we call it. A lot of guisado, you know. So uh, Okay, when you say stewed meats, does that mean it's in a slow cooker? Or as, uh, uh, Joe, as Joe always said, Joe, Joe see me make some chili and everything. I am a crockpot <laughs> guy. I'm a crockpot. Hey, potter. listen, man. So there's like that really guisado is going to be like any kind of a braise. So it's going to be a protein, some vegetables, and a liquid. Uh-huh. That could be a slow cooker type thing. It depends on the cut of meat you're going to use. Okay. You know, you're not going to necessarily slow cook, uh, you know, uh, some very tender steak that doesn't need it, you know. Mm-hmm. So really you could just brown a steak, take okay. it out before it's cooked all the way through, throw a little onions, peppers, tomatoes, a little seasoning, some salt, cilantro. Mm-hmm. Let that kind of kind of get juicy a little bit. Throw your steak back in. You got an awesome guisado right there. Okay. You know, uh, and uh, for us too, what is so so regional for us and so key is just grilling a steak, man. Hmm. Just grilling a steak with a real simple seasoning, maybe uh, you know some uh, little chili powder, mm-hmm. little garlic rub on there, mm-hmm. sea salt and black pepper. Mm-hmm. Grill your onions on the side, maybe mm-hmm. a few uh, whole. Uh, you know, jalapeno or uh, uh, serrano peppers. Okay. Grill some tortillas. Okay. Beautiful. Right okay, there, when you man. say grill some tortillas, you mean real tortillas, not... Um... Uh, okay, so I mean uh, a good quality, locally produced corn tortilla yeah, or yeah. a flour tortilla, if you like them. You don't uh, mean uh, in I a don't... box Ortega? No. No, okay. and I would say uh, of all the big box stores, and I hate to... I hate to call people out, but Kroger's Latin food section sucks. I don't like any of their brands, and their tortillas are never good, babe. But Myers are really good. Myers okay. has like Hacienda or uh, Michoacana; those are mm-hmm. both local Detroit, uh, mm-hmm. or uh, El Milagro, which are from Chicago. Those are all mm-hmm. awesome brand tortillas. I say go to Honey Bee. Yeah, do it. They got the they, really. It's worth the trip. Yeah, yeah. It's worth go the trip. to Honey Bee. It's it's fresh fruits. It's a cool place. Uh, they have the no salt tortilla chips too. I'm all for honeybee. More power to them. Yeah, I, I agree, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. You you say what's the name of it? La Colmena. Yeah, I'm not gonna be able to say that. It's okay. just honeybee in Spanish. <laughs> 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 but I never call it honeybee. It always like I'm like, wait, where? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. La Colmena. That place. Yeah. That yes. One. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Down yes. the street from Mexican Village. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So um so. So you say make make like a, a simple steak. You said uh, a simple guisado. Oh yeah, you want to grill it? You I would do sea, sea salt, salt, a little garlic, garlic, a little black pepper, and a little chili powder. Just chili a little powder, bit. And then you say a jalapeno. I grill some jalapenos on the and side or a serrano pepper. Yeah, yeah, and some onions. 
Okay. Good to go, man. Slice a little avocado, maybe some lime. Okay. You know, a little lime on the side. Okay. Good to go right Every, there. Everything. Beautiful. Okay. Simple. So. Simple. Make All sure right. it's a good quality steak, though. That's I mean, that's key. Don't. All right. When you set your, uh, when you set your, when you set your, your charcoal up. Mm-hmm. Are you one of those people, like, do you make the charcoal mountain? I guess this can, like, go in there. Like, uh, <laughs> you make the charcoal mountain and then, like, put the newspaper on the bottom. How, how do so, you set you your, know, it, 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 you actually, set your it actually depends on what I'm grilling. If you're grilling this steak. Yeah. Well, so if I'm grilling it? steak, I, I do. So first of all, I like to use a, a lump uh, charcoal, so like a mesquite. Mm-hmm. You know, you can buy that, too, at La Colmena. They have the Mexican mesquite charcoal. It's awesome. See, see, it's totally worth It is totally worth it. People about to go out here and buy what's the, what, what's the regular charcoal people buy all the time, Joe? Kingsford. Kingsford. Yeah, people about to be buying Kingsford from Family Dollar, and they're gonna be like, "Damn, this don't taste good." So it still tastes good, man. But so, so that mesquite, that the, mesquite lump charcoal, really mesquite lump charcoal. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It okay. is. It, I can't even. There's a brand called um, El Gallito, I think, or El Gallo. It's got like a rooster on it. Okay. G A L L O. Gallo. Okay. okay? Um, that that's like the authentic stuff. Okay. All right. So what I do is I I do I'm, I mound I put it in a like a pyramid. Okay. I do use a little bit of uh, lighter 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 know, charcoal fluid. lighter fluid. Okay. Uh, I light it. You got to get the paper plate to fan it. That's like the do key you right do there. Uh, do, so you don't put like the newspaper under it. No, and try I, to burn it through. No, you I, actually burn the actual yes, holes. But I I got to fan it and okay. then once. Once I got it going, I just leave it be. When I start to see it turn white, I, f- I flatten it out, you mm. know, and then I wait for the coals to be, like, nice, red, and hot. This is for a steak. Okay. And I, I kind of try to keep it pretty even. You always want, like, a hot side and a colder side. You mm-hmm. do your tortillas on the colder side, you know. Okay. I do the meat on the hot side and then move it over to, okay. the, col- you know, to the co- colder side, but... That's my technique. Okay, all right. Yeah. That's a that's a heck of a technique that you yeah. just broke down too. Because yeah, I, I know what's what's the regular. It, it, I, it, I'm giving the regular technique. Put it in a mountain. Throw some newspaper under there. Burn the newspaper. Let the burn. Let the burn from the newspaper come up. Right. And then fan, then put the top on and then spin the top. Like I'm I'm giving the uh, the the urban cookout method. <laughs> well, you know what, man. I, I'm not gonna say there's not people. Uh, you know, Mexicans making the lemon, delicious Mexican food. The that lemon way, but pepper. That's that's not that's not my technique. The lemon pepper on chicken method. <laughs> and some sweet baby rays. <laughs> hey, that's not all bad either, though. Man. <laughs> we used to do a classic. We may bring our cookout back this year. We used to do a classic cookout. All types of bees would be around here. <laughs> so yeah, so that that cookout method. I like it. I like it. Get some some good charcoal, um, <clears throat> pyramid. Let it burn through. Actually, burn the coals. Spread it spread out. Spread it out. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So now we can get into the classic Detroit is different questions. All right. Um, question one: What was first car, uh, year, make, and model, and what year did you get it? It was an eighty-seven uh, Grand Am. Okay. A brown one. We used to call it the brown bomber. Mm. Um, that must have been 96. Okay. 95. Okay. 95, 96. Where did you go when you first got it? Oh, man. I don't even really remember. I think I had to have. I'm pretty sure I just picked up my friends and just. We used to call it. Drove I grew up around. in Dearborn, man. We called it ratting. <laughs> okay, we, so you just rolled. We out. just yeah, just that's it, man. Just drove around. I yeah. got you. I yeah. got you. Yeah. Uh, how long did it last? Oof. Uh, I lent it to a friend. 
the following spring and he totaled it. <laughs> wow. So uh, was he okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, he was fine. Okay. Yeah. My dad oh, was pissed. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds like a parent <laughs> yep. would not Oof, that's that's just Not like cool, the j- parents just don't understand story. Smith, story uh, of my song. life, brother. <laughs> so, um, all right, next next question: three songs. The end of the Detroit Fireworks. You're on Woodward and Jefferson. <sighs> what are you playing, man? Okay, so you know I, I'm I'm a fan of the show, so uh, I kind of I, I feel like you I have an unfair really advantage. So I've been like yeah, no. mulling this around in my head for a while. So I, I just. I'm kind of like I'm a new Detroiter in the sense that I I just moved to Detroit. So mm-hmm. t- I've been thinking a lot about that. You mm-hmm. know, like what is what's my role here? You know, who am I? What it, what are my feelings mm-hmm. about the city? Um, and I have to say, uh, you know, the move initially was the interest, the interest, not the move, because it started years back. So the interest was really kind of fueled by. Um, my fondness for Detroit architecture. I'm a sucker for a Detroit Tudor. There's like nothing mm. like them. I just, they're so grand and uh, detailed, mm-hmm. elegant. Uh, I love them, mm-hmm. you know? So that's, so that's, that's kind of what kind of piqued my interest in getting to know the city better, as nerdy as that might sound. But that's, that's, mm-hmm. really, that's really where it came from. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, fast forward a few years, and you know now we're living in Grandmont Rosedale, um, and I, I really think the attraction, uh, the beauty of being a Detroiter is in its people. Yeah, you know, and I—that's where actually I, I knew I knew that on uh-huh. like a cerebral level, you know, uh-huh. but to to really know that, to live that, to feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a beautiful and real thing, you know. That's what that's what when people say what makes Detroit different, and I say the culture of Detroit, but it's really just the people. And, yeah. and the people here are, cause like in Detroit, it's 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 people's like mannerisms, responses to stuff. Like, and you just look at something. Uh, yesterday, I was watching a video of. Uh, 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 this guy called Jitten Jesus. Yeah, I've seen, I've, I've seen him. <laughs> and it wasn't even, it wasn't even him Jitten. Yeah, it was like his interview. Like he had all sunglasses indoors, <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> you know, through this dance, you know, I can just inspire people. <laughs> I'm like, yo, this is so Detroit. We got a motivational. Well, we have a so, motivational jitter. You know, I love that. So you know, kind of like <laughs> contemplating. Like, I love it, man. I love it. So. I guess this is this is my these three songs. That's like my opportunity uh-huh. to kind of give a message to the people of Detroit, you uh-huh. know. Uh, so I thought a lot about this, uh, and like my gut reaction at first, like I think "Juicy's" got to be one of them. "Juicy" by by Biggie. Okay. Okay. Um, and then uh, I was coming out of church the other day, and this gospel i'm a huge gospel music fan mm-hmm. right it's kind of like unexpected for me i think and a little nerdy but i i love i love it man i love it's some it good it's some uh it is uh, this is the home of a lot of great gospel artists yeah so you know there's this song by it's i, I think it's relatively new it's by uh brian courtney wilson i believe it's called god is doing a great work mm-hmm. and it's like i'm one of those people that, that you get stuck on a song 
and you will you listen to the track like over and over and over. Uh -huh. That's that's my song like the last two weeks, and uh -huh. I I just love the message, and it's really kind of the way I want cool. I live my life. You know, I'm a work in progress, but I know that, yeah. that I really believe that God is doing a great thing in my life, and I believe that God is doing a great thing in the city of Detroit. And how does He do that? on an individual level, you know, on the, the personal level. I, I really believe that, you know, he's doing a great thing in all of us. And, and that's mm -hmm. kind of one. Sometimes we forget that, I think, as people. You know, we get mm -hmm. caught up in our everyday, you know, in our grind, in our struggle, in our slip-ups, or yeah. in our accomplishments, you yeah. know, and, and you forget that, you know, this is a process that we're living through, yeah, you know, and there's greatness way, yeah. in that, and there's greatness yeah. in that. So that would be, I think, probably my song number two. Um, and then uh, it's kind of like a toss-up. So uh, I got turned on to gospel music like in the sixth grade, this album by Sounds of Blackness. I don't remember okay. the name of the album. Uh, and there's that track, probably. Optimistic. Yeah, yeah, yes. I know. Yeah, yeah. That's and amazing. I, I love it. And it's like big and kind of orchestral and like a choral, you know, kind mm -hmm. of a choral sense. Uh, you know, not, a, you know, obviously it's not traditionally like an yeah. orchestra piece or that's, anything. That's, that's but, a I lot mean, of people's favorite who songs, doesn't, yeah. who doesn't love like a big orchestra, like a big piece, you know, for fireworks. So I think optimistic or uh, maybe to bring it back to like the Latin roots and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that Mark Anthony, Vivir la Vida, you know, voy a reír, yeah, yeah. voy a cantar. I love it. It's very upbeat too. Like mm -hmm. just living life. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to mm -hmm. live my life. And, you know, basically you should too, you know, enjoy this life because it's beautiful beautiful you know those are the things that i would want to be able to speak you know to to the city of detroit to the people of detroit the city i love the city's kind of embraced me and I love uh, it. uh you know so that that would be that would be my fireworks i love it yeah. i love it yeah i love it yeah um and the last question you already know it's uh if you could rename woodward after one detroiter who would it be and why oh this one is this one is tough for me i think you know mm -hmm. um I feel like Woodward, just to me, uh, the name, I don't even know who Woodward was. Aldolphus Woodward was the uh, first settler of the Michigan Territory, okay. or Detroit Territory, then Michigan Territory. He was like given this, which basically means he was a white man that was a general that they said, hey man, go up there. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he quote unquote settled <laughs> the state, but uh, it definitely was... Uh, a, a lot of native tribes. I want to say the uh, the Chippewas, the what uh, Woodward was definitely not the first uh, guy around. No, <laughs> no, 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 not at okay, all. Okay, so you know, I think I would have to stick if I did have to rename it. Um, and I'm like, I'm kind of like a nostalgic guy, mm -hmm. you know. So I would not rename it. You know, okay. I, I wouldn't. So you just let it be. Yes. And I'm not it's that's not even like who was Woodward. I don't know who Woodward was. Yeah. You know, like what was that story you just told me? OK, I, uh -huh. I guess yeah. like fair enough, you know, uh -huh. but to me, like Woodward Avenue, that name, name in and of itself. itself. Yes. That means something to me. But if I had to pick somebody to me, that is, you know, um, I might name it after my next door neighbor, whose name is Ramon. <laughs> Ain't that something? Yeah. I like it. You know I what, like it man? already. And, uh, Ramon. And Avenue. it's funny because it's it's a Spanish name, but it's uh, uh, a black dude. He's no, you know, no like Latino anything. You know, What's, just uh, a Detroiter. And I think he's I, just a regular dude. Uh, he's just a regular dude, man. Retired. Uh, and I think, I think the reason, uh, the reason why I'm saying this is because 
when we bought the house, you know, you look around, you, ca- uh-huh. you got plans of what you want to do for a new house. And, and my wife was like, you know what? Uh, I want a, a privacy fence. You know, it's going to mm. feel cozy. I don't know if I necessarily want to look at everybody, you know. And, uh, you know, Ramon has his garage door open. Uh-huh. And my wife is, we are like kind of neat freak people. And his garage was like not tidy, you know. He was going hoarder <laughs> style. And my Hoarded. wife was now like, I don't know if I want to look at that. You know, and I was like, yeah, baby. I, I, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll look into that. So Ramon was where I felt the f- most Detroit love, you know, right mm. off the bat. And mm. we are now like one of those neighbors. I got my little vegetable patch right along uh-huh. the fence by his house, and he sits on his back porch, and I water my garden, and we chit-chat, and his grandson plays all the time with, and, you know, with my boys. And uh, I don't want a privacy fence there, you know. That's what's up. And to me, that's that's – that's it's like Detroit. he came over with yes. some better made from the yeah, red pie. Yeah, I, you know he and gave a Fago. Yeah, I think he gave an apple pie. <laughs> gave me a beer, you know, which cool with that, you know, and uh, <laughs> brought over a beer one day, and uh, you know he was the first guy to come over and say welcome to the neighborhood, and I would say shout out to everybody in Grandmont Rosedale because everybody, I can't tell you how many people like will stop dead driving down the road, roll down the window when I'm like working on the front yard or watering or whatever yeah. and say, hey, man, you guys are doing a great job. What's your name? Welcome to the neighborhood. I haven't seen you, you guys knew, blah, blah. You know, want to yeah. know the whole, the, whole, the whole nine about us, you know. And I've lived in lots of different places at this point, you know. Um, and I, I have never, never felt so much love in a community, you know, before. So... That's I it. guess Woodward would be Ramon. <laughs> Ramon Woodward. Avenue. <laughs> Ramon Avenue. That's perfect. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you, man. This was awesome. Perfect. The Detroit is Different podcast is about exposing artistry, business, ideas, and dynamic people, places, and things that make Detroit a mecca. Tune in weekly and subscribe to get the true stories from the people shaping the culture of an American classic city. Subscribe on Apple iTunes or Google Play to the Detroit is Different podcast and don't miss the true stories that add to the culture of Detroit.